0: The Pace Line is supported by LEL Cycling. The coast is calling. LEL's shore collection embodies the spirit and style of the California coast. All LEL products are crafted in Southern California for shipment worldwide. Now,
1: on to the show. This episode of the Pace Line podcast is presented by Unpaved of the Susquehanna River Valley, a premier raw road adventure through 120 miles of central Pennsylvania on October 14th. Unpaved. It's easy on the eyes, hard on the legs. Check it out at unpavedpennsylvania.com.
0: From Red Kite Prayer... This is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I'm Patrick Brady, and with me is my co-host, Celine Yeager, a.k.a. The Fit Chick. Each week, we take a look at a different facet of how cycling fits in our lives. How goes it, Celine? It is going very well today, Patrick. How are you? Uh, I'm, I got a fussy back, but I'm not going to complain because I got to spend the whole weekend up in Mendocino County at Bike Monkey's Wente Race. Eight-hour mountain bike race. And uh, I wasn't fast, but I had a lot of fun. And that's why you have a
1: fussy back, perhaps.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I went deep. Um, Yeah. As as deep as you can for, what was that, like 48 miles? I did six laps of an eight-mile course. Oh, okay. uh, Well, when I did it two years ago, I did seven, and uh, I... I really wanted to knock out an additional lap this year, but two more laps was way beyond question. And then there was the fact that I completely misremembered what I'd done previously. I was walking around telling people I did eight laps last time uh, when I'd only done seven. So I misremembered (laughs) my own performance. And so when I'm like, I'm on, I'm on lap five thinking, how did I ever do eight? It's so hot. I'm dying. I can, I can, I can get one more lap. I'll do a sixth lap, but I, there's no way I'm going to do eight. And I was hoping to do nine. Very few people do nine. Yeah. You know, yeah. A, a, a tiny little scad of people will do 10 laps. Uh, I don't think anyone has done 11 laps solo. So to try to do nine, that I would like really need to be in, I'd need to be in pretty terrific shape you know and people when i told them i had done 7 2 years ago people were blown away people were still impressed when i told them 6 and here i am beating myself with my own poor performance yay oh wait no scratch that
1: yeah yep
0: anyway uh. <laughs> congratulations <laughs> welcome back um thanks thanks i'm going to see my massage therapist tomorrow
1: excellent
0: <laughs> um so how closely were you following dirty Kansas this weekend I was off the grid you know and really didn't know what was going on after I got to the scout camp
1: yeah you know what I was I was surprised at how invested I felt in it this year I, I um I felt almost like a kind of a den mother I had a bunch of friends going out to do it for the first time and uh-huh. you know I, it's so I try yeah, I tried to explain to them just how incredibly hard it. It is without frightening them, you know, and sort of watching it in the in the weeks going up. It was supposed to be like a hundred degrees, and I was just mm-hmm. like, "Dudes, dudes, take water, take water, take take your camel bags, take more stuff." And so I was sort of watching the weather for them, and then watching, and then um, I'm not sure if I had told you, but I had been invited to do that enormous, monstrous thing that DK XL 350. And I had politely declined because, quite frankly, I just can't even. Like, that's, I would not have had any capacity to train for that, and I can't even imagine it honestly. But I was really, really curious because I, you know, I had been in touch with Yuri and in touch with Rebecca and, you know, I knew Matt, like I knew a lot of people doing that too. So I was like Mm -hmm. trying to watch trackers and then the trackers would get kind of broken. I'd be like, oh no, like Yuri is stuck forever. Like what's going on? And um, so, yes, I was pretty invested. I actually, I had to remind myself because it was a really beautiful day here. And I was like, Celine, get off your chair. Stop checking Twitter. Stop checking everything. Go out. Go out and ride your bike. They're going to be out there a long time, right? So, uh, but I had friends texting me, you know, from like the third checkpoint, going, "Okay, you know, it's going to be one a.m. before I get in." And I'm like, "You, you must get in. You'll never, ever forgive yourself if you don't now. You've got 44 miles." So yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, I it, I was. You know, it was one of those things where, like, as soon as I was back in civilization, I was looking up uh results for everybody. Um, but yeah, you know, I was at the scout camp in Mendocino County, <laughs> there was no self service, or at least for my carrier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, I'm stoked that we were both able to get people, uh, yeah. who stood on the podium. Very um, exciting, yeah. I, you know. And I got to say, you know, speaking to, you know, your invitation to do the the DKXL, I mean, just when I heard about it, my head almost caved in. Yeah. I mean, you know, think about it. For most people who are ever going to ride a double century, Dirty Kansas is going to be the slowest dirty uh, double century you ever do because oh, you're yes. not on the road, right? <laughs> yes, um, by far. And so to the notion of, oh, this crazy long thing, the, the, the slowest double century you'll ever do. Oh, wait, let's increase the length by
1: 75%. Um, and have an, have a century in the middle of the night with zero support. Let's just add that into that. Cause I don't think most people would even realize I can't even anyway, go ahead.
0: Yeah, no, I, uh, so I understand why you would pass. Um, and I, think I understand why Yuri said yes. Yeah, uh, I do too. Maybe. And I but felt anyway. a little
1: pang. I really did, but I kept saying, that eh, no. Yeah.
0: And I when it hailed really, on them,
1: maybe not. I didn't feel pangs anymore. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you became pang-free. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I, so... Yeah, the moment I got back to civilization, I was like, I've got to talk to Yuri and see how this went. So here I am with Yuri Hoswald. How much so, sleep have you had since the uh since the race? Not enough,
2: I don't think. <laughs> and that's funny because my wife took a compromising picture that she might put somewhere today. Um she won't. But uh we we were uh we did a shuttle run this morning in in Moab just cuz we had our mountain bikes and we had to go do a little bit of the enchilada. And, uh, we were driving a few hours out of town and I was just like, I looked at her, I was like, I'm super tired. And so we pulled over and I just like immediately sacked out in the driver's seat for like fifth, like I think I was probably snoring for like 15 minutes while she, you know, did, you know, connected with folks or whatever via social media. And then I woke up and like walked around the van for a little bit and was revived. But, um, I don't think I. I think I'm still needing to catch up on on sleep a little bit. Um, I'm, my like ankles and legs are swollen just because I'm sitting a lot. Unfortunately, you know, driving home. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, um, yeah, I could I could use a little bit more sleep probably.
0: Gotcha. Well, I I hope you get it tonight. Um, oh, I will. Now, you said you were able to stay on schedule for hydration except for that one stretch of 118 miles where you ran out. Um, yeah. I, I'm curious about what your nutrition plan was for the event, like um, how yeah. much you were trying to get down per hour and then, you know, what, what foods were you selecting for use and, you know, how, how much were you fueling per hour?
2: Dude, I can't give you all my secrets. Oh. Come on, man. No.
0: <laughs>
2: I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh so I always I always shoot for two hundred to, to two fifty calories, whether that's, you know, liquids, gels, solids, whatever. Um, and my like go to forever, um, and I've used it forever, is you know, rock chain gel with rock chain drink with water with our branch chain amino acid capsules and knowing that this race was going to be so hot. I had a whole bottle of our electrolyte capsules too, that, uh, I was eating like, you know, M&Ms, uh, because I needed to stay, you know, on top of my electrolytes and fluids and all of that just to stave off, you know, issues from the heat. Mm-hmm. So, um, the other sort of tweak I did, I'm, I I have, have been for the last two years, solidly like a sea salt chocolate, you know, salted caramel yeah. kind of flavor guy. But with the heat, um, my palate changes a bit. And so I went with some of our fruitier roctanes. Yep. Um, well, actually, I actually had both options on in my pack, uh, but I just had them separated by flavor because, you you, you want to have to not make any decisions really you know when you're riding for that long so the less you have to other things you have to think about yeah. um, beyond just pedaling and you know so I, I know the right side is fruit <laughs> left side is is uh, chocolate or whatever so um, <laughs> yep I have sense right doesn't it and so then um, you know I didn't get enough rocktane fluids in me just because I wasn't refilling those bottles enough. But usually, definitely every stop, I would fill at least one. Sometimes I would fill two of the bottles with rocked So that's 250 calories. Um, but I think overall I was a tad undercaloried. caloried um, As far as solids go, I had some Pave bar. Um, uh-huh. Chris Cosentino. Chris Cosentino is launching a new bar. Yep. And so I had some of those. Um, I had one epic chicken sriracha bar that gave me the worst cotton mouth ever that uh, I just, I decided I, yeah, exactly, dude. Yeah. Oh, like almost gag like cotton mouth, like, Oh, you know, trying to get water in there. (laughs) So um, even in small bites anyway, so needless to say, I only did one of those. Um, And then, I pretty much was, was water, roctane drink, roctane gels. And then, uh, in the morning at one of the Casey's, I grabbed a breakfast, uh, biscuit egg thing that I ate about a half of. Um, and a little bit later in another town, uh, I can't remember if it's council Grove or Alma. I grabbed like some random, like, Burrito egg wrap because it had ham in it, and ham sounded really good. You know,
0: isn't it funny how you can just suddenly have this hankering for something? I know. I I need. It's weird. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Oh, and I did. I I did buy at some point like a little thing of like trail mix that was in my bag, but I think only took two or three handfuls of it. Um, I did inhale a Snickers bar at some point, um, and that was about it. Uh, probably, uh, I would say in the range of 20 to 23 gels for that period of time, which mm. isn't that, I mean, that's not a lot considering what I need to eat in my system. I don't think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but still, I mean, that's, that's a lot to go through. Um, yeah. Um, and
2: then a steady, and then I said like a steady drip drop of, uh, branched chain amino acid capsules and mainly more so are electrolyte uh, capsules. Uh, and you know, it paid off cause I actually not to sound weird. anything, I, you know, I urinated four times during that 25 hour period. So that was good. That was a good time.
0: Wow. I, I mean, that doesn't sound yeah. like a whole lot for that length of time. Uh, it
2: doesn't, but yeah. in my experience, in my experience it is, but that doesn't necessarily mean my uh, experience is reflective of good things sometimes when it comes to uh, heat and, right. you know, fluids and stuff like that. So, yeah.
0: Right. Again, that was Yuri Hoswald who finished second at last weekend's DKXL, the new 350-mile version of Dirty Kansas, the unofficial Gravel World Championships. Uh, Celine, you talked with Allison Uh I've got a little excerpt of that lined up. Would you like to set it up for us?
1: I would love to set that up. Um... Yeah, Allison. I, I really like Allison a lot. Allison came to the race last year as a total gravel newbie. You know, she was she was fresh off the road, um, and and she just crushed it. You know, she she was on. Yeah. yeah, she she just didn't. Maybe it was good that she totally didn't exactly know what she was getting into because she just went out and you know did what she had to do. But um, you know, she's she's the sweetest, most genuine person. And uh, I remember like last year, I was there because they had that 200 women initiative. And I did a yeah. little pep talk to the women the day before. And you know, I they're all she was she was there too. And I just said, no matter what happens out there, remember, forward progress, take care of yourself. Like, just those two things, like even if you're moving very slowly, like just keep going forward and figure out what you need and just keep taking care of yourself and you'll get there. And um, she came up to me the day after and she, you know, she had won and she was like, thank you. Your words were in my head all day. I just kept thinking forward progress, take care of yourself. And it just was such it was so special. And I was really I was rooting for, you know, I mean, I I, I would have been happy whoever wins, but I'm in my heart, I was rooting for a little bit. Um, and I was anxious to see like what she would do now that she had experience coming back to defend the crown. Um, and Oh, what a year they had. I mean, what it was, it, (laughs) it was, you know, I mean, it's always hard, let's be clear. But like sometimes the elements really come into play and, uh, this year, the elements for sure really came into play right <laughs> out of the gate. So I'll just I'll stop talking there and I'll I'll, I'll let her share it from her point of view. So let, let's go to race day because um, this year was 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 quite a bit different from last year, wouldn't you say? I mean, how how bananas were you watching that weather? Like it was supposed to be a billion degrees, and then the forecast was changing, and then like a tornado. Well, not a tornado, but a crazy storm ripped through and delayed the whole race. Like, how do you, how do you prepare for that? How do you process it? Yeah, I think you, you know,
3: I don't ever check the Kansas weather until a week before. So, because you check it, you know, two weeks before, I mean, everything changes in Kansas this time of year, you know, it's going to be from a tornado to an ice storm to like a heat wave. I mean, you have no idea what's coming. So I don't panic, you know, you need to be prepared for everything. Um, but then coming into race day, I mean, no one even predicted that storm was coming through. Like the Friday, the day before the race, it was just hot as hell out there. I mean, it was so hot. And like I said, I was a little nervous about the heat and the humidity. So I'd already worked with Goo and had a good plan about that. But then I wake up at 430 in the morning, the morning of the race, and I can just hear like tree branches falling and like <laughs> hail. And I'm going, what in earth just happened? And my first thought, of course, was, to worry about my my dear friends uh, Rebecca oh, Russ yeah. and Yuri Hoswald out there in the DKXL. So they had left 12 hours ago to do 350 miles, and I like immediately go straight to my phone and don't even look at like I well actually no first I looked at the, all the weather warnings. My float like my phone is doing those red weather advisory alert. <laughs> Wearing up
1: seek shelter. You're
3: like, okay. Yeah, and, and you see this like you know one of those radar things, and it's just like there's no green. It's like not even red. They like put a new <laughs> color. It was like maroon. You know, I'm like, that's not even red. That's like darker than red. <laughs> like, what is this? It's like purple. Like, what is going on here? And so then, of course, I looked at tracking to see where Yuri and Rebecca were out in the plains during that weather because I was super worried about them. And Yuri's tracking wasn't working. And it was so broken. Text- he was at 124 yes. forever, right? And I was yeah. like, yeah. I was texting, I texted his wife. You know, I like, oh, like, I should be like getting ready to race. But I'm like, Vanessa, how is Yuri? And she's like, it's broken, don't worry, the lies. And I was like, oh, thank like, heavens. <laughs> so they ended up um, postponing the race 30 minutes, which was um, definitely the smart decision because the storm only rolled through for about 38 minutes, but who's counting? Right. And um, <laughs> so I'm like thinking, how muddy can those roads get in 38 minutes? Um, and they delayed the race, which was great. I just thought, you know, people ought to seek shelter, all of that. I got there pretty late because I had a call up, so I got there at 5:45. You know, just expecting to go straight to yep. the start line and go, and there's no one at the start line, which, as you know, is weird because there's 2,500 people out there and everyone wants to be at the <laughs> front. And the street was just a ghost town. But you wow. just see all these bikes laying in the How middle of the How weird road. was <laughs> that? It was so weird. I'm like, did I miss the start? Did the oh rapture happen? Like, where, where the are they? They're all there gone. Is- like a serious, of storm of like biblical, like biblical proportions. Like you wow. had no, like, it was just nuts. You had lightning everywhere. And, and all of a sudden, like I get to the streets, I kid you not, like there's just thousands of bikes just like laying down in the middle of the road in downtown Emporia. And I'm like, where is everybody? I hopped in a car and you know, I'm fortunate if everyone went like in buildings and I, I read that, uh, Laura, Ted's wife and him were in like the tattoo parlor, like businesses were opening up and letting people seek shelter. Wow. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was kind of a crazy start, and we started 30 minutes later. And, you know, I, I'm okay with that. I mean, it does kind of screw up your preparation, but I did, um, you know, just think to myself I could have slept in until I woke up at 5, versus right. 4.30. Right.
1: <laughs> but there you are. So that, I, I guess, in some ways, takes a little bit of the edge off
3: the start, though,
1: right? Like, I mean, you all then just line up, and it's your day is already sort of like a little – off kilter, so away we go, right? I mean, how did that affect your start?
3: Yeah, I mean, I kind of was happy. I got to go to the bathroom a few more times. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I sat, I, I sat in a you know in the neutral support car, and so I, I mean, I had shelter, and I was just, you know, maybe you adjust your tire pressure at that point, maybe you don't. Um, did you? I tried. Um, the mechanic did. Yeah. I, I'm going to tell you, with me and tire pressure, I get very nervous about it. So, I unfortunately usually do not know what tire pressure I'm running. I let somebody else make that decision because I will second guess myself. And coming from a road background, I, I, it does not, it cannot fathom riding 35, you know,
1: that's awesome. DSI. That's really funny. Like, but I, I was gonna I'm like, Shouldn't
3: it be like 38, like maybe 40, like, <laughs> you know, last year, I, I still don't know because I want to drive 45, but I had six fifties on last year. So I, I want to drive 45 because I thought 42 sounded too low and I want to go fast fast so i think fast is like higher tire pressure and on right. the road i don't ride super high like 90 or something like that you know 90 to 92 i like and i know my road tire pressure all the time but the gravel tire pressure freaks me out and i just want somebody else to do the research and make the decision else i am going to ask all 2500 people take a poll making <laughs> spreadsheet, so and, make a yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and i'm still not going to know so i um i, I have I, I make a joke that i started gravel racing to decrease pressure in my life, including tire pressure, but I, I don't want to know it. <laughs> That's awesome. That's really
1: funny. <laughs> yeah. So that was a, uh, that was something, huh, Patrick? Like, uh, biblical. <laughs> <with that> <laughs> yeah. Biblical was the word. I love, I love that she thought everyone was raptured. Like that was the, my favorite. <laughs> and I can only imagine, cause I did the same thing last year. When you have a call up, you have a little bit mm. of grace, right? So you know, you're going to have your position in the front, so you can go and pee that one last time, like 15 minutes before. And that's what she did. And then to come and see, like, nothing but an avenue of bikes and no bodies, like, uh, at, it, at 5.45 the in image. the morning. It is the perfect
0: image. Like, and why I, not I, me? Yeah. Why
1: am I still here? <laughs> <laughs> the HBO series, The Leftovers. For exactly. Yeah. I have to do this race all by myself. That's my, that's my purgatory. But anyway... <laughs>
0: Yeah, amazing. Why don't we take this moment to take a brief break for some sponsors, okay. uh, or maybe it's just a sponsor. And when we return, we're going to address some controversy surrounding this year's Dirty Kansas, particularly
1: with the winner of the women's race. This episode of the Paceline podcast is presented by Unpaved of the Susquehanna River Valley, a premier raw road adventure through 120 miles of central Pennsylvania. On October 14th. Created in the spirit of Dirty Kansas and Rebecca's Private Idaho, Unpaved brings premier gravel racing to the heart of Pennsylvania. The course runs through the remote Amish countryside, the stunning Bald Eagle State Forest, and cuts through the Buffalo Valley during PA's peak foliage season. Riders can choose from three options 120 miles with 9,500 feet of climbing, 90 miles with 6,000 feet of climbing, or a 30-mile option that will give riders a taste of what the gravel racing scene is all about. Unpaved. It's easy on the eyes, hard on the legs. Check it out for more information at unpavedpennsylvania.com.
0: Okay, we're back with the pace line. Um, Celine, one of the things that I've been seeing in social media is some upset about uh, the nature of the ride that the women's witter uh katie keogh did uh she was riding with her husband and on one hand that sounds really cool and amazing you know do this ultra hard ride you know with your also professional cyclist uh significant other mm-hmm. um but some people have been rather upset that she was essentially just drafting off her husband—that's been the opinion put forward by some people, um, and I understand that there are uh, some other, shall we say, mitigating factors that people might want to consider mm-hmm. before they go say, "Oh, she was just dra- drafting her husband all day." Why don't you fill us in on that, some?
1: Yeah, you know, and I. <laughs> this has been pretty much exploding since since the race, right? I mean, it's, uh, everyone's been doing hot takes on Twitter, myself included. You know, I mean, I, we've all been sort of involved in the conversation. And I feel bad for her because I feel like she's kind of a straw man for the larger issue, uh, which I, you know, I think that, that we can address. But, and and yeah. to be very clear, uh, I was not out there in the prairie with Katie and Luke. So I don't know how their day played out. The, the, the race is so, so long that even if, she were drafting off him most of the time, it's still, I mean, she was out there pedaling. I mean, it's, you know, how hard it is. It's not like a road race, where, right. Where you can't draft in the mud. I mean, it's when it's you're not walking that... through mud, you know, <laughs> and, and, and when there's only two of you too, right. I mean, it's still, you're still out there and, you know, to a lot of people's point, like they weren't blocking people from getting on their wheels. Right. Like some, it, when you're out there, They're... Everybody is working with somebody. I mean, that's just how it is. I mean, it's often not planned. It's often not premeditated. But I mean, you know, groups happen. Pace lines happen. That's all. That's just part of the race. Um, Yeah. I think, I think, and this is where I think this bigger conversation is important, is that, and I'm not accusing her. And I want to be really clear because I just don't want to pile on to this. I want her to be able to enjoy her moment. She came to a bike race and gave her heart, and peed in her chamois, and puked, and won the thing. And I want, like, I want her to enjoy her crown. I I, I feel yeah. strongly yeah. about that, um, but I do think that it, unfortunately for her, but maybe fortunately for the rest of us, it is kind of a springboard to a larger conversation about the nature of gravel racing that I think that I think is worthwhile having. You know, quite frankly, mm-hmm. because some mm-hmm. people were using the term domestique, and that that implies a bit more that implies that somebody is sacrificing their own race for you that implies that they are doing work be- of and be- above and beyond for you maybe carrying your stuff right or maybe getting yep. things for you through aid stations and that has an enormous impact on a race like that and it's interesting yeah. when i when i sort of brought up these points in in some of the conversations that were happening You know, one guy's like, well, how is that any different from like a a teammate going to a car and getting you bottles? And I'm like, well, that you're making my point. It's not different. And, you know, (laughs) there's there's a perception that and I understand that perception, that this is a road race on dirt. You know, and that all those tactics apply. And I think that, that it's important to go back to maybe a little bit of the history of of these races and these events. Like they were. You know, and, and actually, before I go there, let's be clear: the the men's race had a lot of this going on, and has had a lot of this going on. I mean, some of yeah, the, I mean, some of the teams had a
0: rider DQ'd. So
1: yeah, and some of the racers show up, and they are very open about saying we're like the whole team Sky of gravel racing, like that they have. Right, I mean, this. So let's be clear: yeah. this is not just about this. But anyway, so you know the origins of this race, and, and even if you look at. The website of Dirty Kanza, it's like the idea is that it's rooted in self-sufficiency. It's like you against the elements and what you can do. And a lot of people like like an Alice and Tetrick has sort of gravitated to gravel for that appeal. You know, you don't need mm-hmm. to come with a team. You don't need to come with all this stuff. You come with your grit and you come with yourself and the day folds out. And sure, you end up working with people, but but you could get dropped by those people because nobody is just really designated to work for you, right? Like, that's that's just not been yeah. the, the spirit of the event. And, you know, like, Dirty Kanza originally, I mean, it was, it was rooted in this, like, he didn't even mark the course. He didn't give GPS files. I mean, the right. idea was that you were supposed to, like, find your way using maps and cue sheets. And... And I remember people getting mad at Jim Cummins, the promoter, when he caved in their words and was like, well, you know, if you want him to race, we don't want him whipping out maps and we don't want him... So, you know, there's been a little bit of just um, movement in that way towards like more of a gravel Grand, grand Fondo feel, if you will. But I guess, mm-hmm. you know, that's where, that's where these... And a lot of people have been saying, okay, so what do we want it to be? Does it matter? Like, if I'm not breaking the rules, is that bad? Or is breaking the spirit of it enough to be like, eh? You know, and I and I don't, like, I've been thinking about this and having these conversations and people have been, like, back and forth and everything all all week on it. You know, and in my heart of hearts, I feel like I liked that self-sufficiency. You know, and I like the idea mm-hmm. that I, if I want to come and try to get on the podium in any capacity and I'm at this point, I'm not going to get anywhere close to the front of the women's overall podium. But, but if I were like, I would want to have be able to do that without thinking, okay, now I need a team, you know? And I, and if it, it makes me sad to think it could come to that, you know, like that everybody has to come with a team and, um, you know, but I, I don't know. Does it matter? I'm sure I'm going back and forth and back and forth. And this is, I don't know. Does it matter? Is this the evolution of it? Uh, Does there need to be rules? People like these things because they're not all set with rules, right? Um, Right. Yeah, so I don't know. What do you think?
0: You know, I guess the first thing I want to say is I think I appreciate some of the uh, frustration on the part of some people regarding, you know, the the concept of domestique. Uh, Whether or not Luke was there simply in service to his wife, uh, I don't mean— Let's let's stop for a moment and talk about just what a white guy sport this is. I mean, <laughs> if this if this guy actually set aside, forget for the for the moment that he was badly injured relatively recently. Yeah, I didn't even know if he was going to be able to do this by a drunk driver.
1: Let's just say, I mean, terrible things. Yeah, right? terrible. Yeah.
0: Um. And so you know, the notion that he might put himself in service to his wife. That's something we ought to at least spend a moment or two kind of saying, yay, rah, rah, let's champion that. That's, that's really cool.
1: It's a, a really interesting perspective um, that nobody has brought up.
0: I, You know, I, I, I like it. I, there yeah. are times when I've set aside my own ride to help someone else who I knew was advancing as a cyclist and I wanted to help their growth. And so when I see somebody else do that, I know what that internal process is. I know what you've set aside for that. And it doesn't happen enough. So that part, you know, and I still don't know just what the backstory is. So I don't want to assert that something happened that I don't know for fact. Yeah. But what I will say is that, you know, the notion of a team in uh, in gravel racing, if you're treating the team like F1, where where everyone shows up, where... Their goal is to do the very best they can. Each individual. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Not a team performance. This is an individual performance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And sure, if two people from that team wind up on the podium, so much better for the team. Right. But I can see that other people would prefer that... When you show up on the start line, you're not looking around going, well, that guy's working for me, that guy's working for me, that guy's working for me. Um, and so from a, a, an even playing field standpoint, I can appreciate that people would like to think that everyone's showing up knowing that, well, I'm going to end up in a group and I'll work with the group. And I do think that that is in keeping with the spirit of gravel racing, And Mm -hmm. um, if I was a gravel event promoter, um, and at this point, all I'm looking at is putting on rides, not races, uh, partly for this very reason, I can say that as a promoter, I would want to say, you know, if you're here as a team, you know, you better be prepared to have each of your riders go out and you know, ride for themselves. Uh, I don't want to see two guys trading pole with a third sitting on their wheel, staying fresh mm-hmm. for once they hit mile 160. Um, I wouldn't want to see that. Also, I kind of think that aero bars, you know, it ought to be like a mass start <laughs> road race, you know, where, you know, aero bars, no. Um, and then it's not, I haven't talked know, for I, a time with that one. For me, it's kind of the strictly, you know, the master art road event. You know, people are going to crash a lot more in gravel events. And having something poking forward on your bike, this is one place where USA Cycling rules make a whole lot of sense. Right, right. Uh, And so I I am, you know, but it's one of those things that right now with Dirty Kansas, you know, uh, Jim and Leland haven't said that that's against the rules. So it's perfectly okay. Yes. You know, and we need to keep in mind that before we go having big, strong opinions about what this event is, it's not our event. Uh, and I really respect the amount of thought and preparation and devotion that Jim and Leland have put into this event. Mm -hmm. You know, they've got their reasons for doing stuff. You know, I mean, the fact that the XL, you know, you were stopping at convenience stores that were open 24 hours to get your stuff. There was nobody out there, you know, standing, holding a feed bag for you. Uh, I love that part of, of, you know, that event. I really, really like that. Uh, And in a way, it's... It appeals to me even more than getting that feedback ready to go on the truck and be, you know, waiting for me when I got when I get to town. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so I I see the frustrations. You know, I think they've done a really great job at, you know, making clear what their actual
1: rules are. Yep. You know, if
0: you have a support vehicle out there for you, yeah, you're going to get DQ'd well, and you that, deserve
1: to. There was that guy that did that that year, Right. Yeah, bingo, bingo. Uh,
0: And, you know, so I mean, they and it's to their credit to say, you know, okay, we've got this race and they they acted decisively. Um, This other stuff that's grayer, uh, you know, in terms of the spirit of what gravel racing is, you know, um, maybe maybe Jim and Leland will decide that they need to take some amount of action on this and spell things out more clearly. Maybe they won't. Maybe some other event promoter will look at that and go, oh, I don't want that happening at my event. And so I'm going to add this rule. Mm -hmm. And, you know, yeah, I like the idea of doing stuff that doesn't have a billion rules, uh, especially where like, you know, wearing jerseys for pro teams that you're not a member of is a rule that is completely ignored. You know, it's like, don't don't make a rule unless you're really going to enforce it.
1: Well, it's funny. I talked to Jim for another thing this morning and and this, this came up, you know, and, um, and he's very, very thoughtful about it. You know I mean? But, but he, the most important thing for him is that this event, you know, I I think to be very frank, he's less concerned about what happens to the pointy end of the pack. Like his, he is, he, like, he likes them, he loves that they're there, but he's so much about the everyday person. And, you know, let's face it, their experience is unchanged by what's going on up there. It it just Absolutely. is. <laughs> you know, so um, I think he, you know, he'll, he'll think and he'll let it sit and decide, like, if he wants to let it self-police. Because he's very frank. He's like, how am I going to police people 150 miles out in the prairie? I'm not going to have monitors. Um And he just really wants, he's just much more concerned about the gestalt of the whole thing and that the the everyday person has that transformational experience. And I don't think, I think that's unchanged. Uh,
0: Well, and and it shouldn't be, you know, and to his credit, I mean, he really, he walks the walk in terms of how he talks about that, because I didn't understand until I showed up that he and Leland and, and the other people who were part of that inner circle of putting on Dirty Kanza Stand there at the end of the finish line greeting everybody one by one. I've never seen that in another event. And Until three something in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. I I was completely blown away and I got choked up and I watched other people get choked up. You know, to be greeted that way says something about the real character of the event that they've put on. And you You're know, if I'm gonna talk about anything about Dirty Kansas, in a way, that's really what I'd rather focus on is just how great a job they do at helping to reinforce, you know, your
1: feeling that you've just done something pretty amazing. And I think honestly that you know people are like, it's now taken on a little bit of a life of its own, and people are like, oh, why, like, why is this whole gravel thing, blah blah blah. And I'm like, I think that, I think the fact that people. It's that, that people do care so deeply because how special this event is, right? I mean, that's why mm-hmm. anything that, that happens that might break the spirit is a little controversial or whatever, because we love it. We love how it makes us feel. We love Jim. We love the event. We love what it means. And, you know, when you when you love something, you care the, to, to preserve it, right? And I, I, I honestly think that's at the heart of what all these conversations on these conversations totally are great, are about. Yep. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. People
0: wouldn't get up in arms if they didn't really care, yeah. and you know, thank heaven they they really care. I mean, it's you know, there's not another weekend uh, all year long where I am more torn about what I'm doing. Hmm. You know, last year I was at Dirty Kansas. The year before I was at Wente. This year I was at Wente. Um, I have an agreement hammered out to go back to Dirty Kansas next year. Two hundred, baby. (laughs) I'm I'm torn. Um, Oh, you got to do it
1: once. You have to do it, Patrick. One time.
0: Right. But it's like, oh, which year? You know. Oh, and I'm also aware. I'm you know I'm borderline terrified because last year, any number of people have told me that that was the best weather the event has ever had, and it's like, oh my gosh. You know, I'm guaranteed to have a more difficult time than a I tornado, had. A tornado, you'd oh, be
1: in a ditch wondering, like, why am I here?
0: Flying around, bumping into cows, you know, as we squirrel, you know, going, well, this is not the bluebird day we had before. Um, you know, so, I, yeah, I'm a little scared of, like, no matter what, I'm guaranteed to have a more difficult time and have doubled my mileage.
1: True. <laughs> both, of, both of those things are true. Yeah, but it's...
0: Yeah, I, I don't have much of a bucket list. That's in my bucket. Cool. Yeah. As it should be. Uh, oh, well, so let's move on to brighter stuff. What do you got coming up this weekend for yourself?
1: What do I have coming up? I'm actually going to um, Vermont to the Kingdom Trails.
0: Have you Ooh. ever been there? No, I haven't. And I've wanted to. I hear nothing but just amazing things.
1: He is John Worth has done an amazing, amazing job. It's just they're they're so fun and they're it's it's really delightful. And uh, I'm going actually for work at the Juliana is having a product launch, so I'm gonna ride Ooh. some great new bikes and ride some fun trails and drink some beer and it, it it's just gonna be terrible. Yeah. I I can see your arm being
0: twisted already.
1: Yeah, it's just awful. So yeah, that's what I'm up
0: to. Yourself? Oh, wow. Uh, I'm going to keep it low key. I'm going to do a ride with my boys. I'm going to do some rides with friends. I'm not going to go long. I'm going to try not to go very hard unless I'm suddenly motivated to. Uh, Yeah, yeah. So it'll it'll be a much lower key weekend. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds perfect. Um, All right. What do you say about paceline picks?
1: What do I say about paceline picks? I have recovery sandals. UFO's recovery sandals. Are you familiar with these? Nope. I don't, I'm not even com- familiar with the concept. Right. I, and I have to say, I and I wouldn't have been either, except a friend of mine was a rep for them. And um, okay. she got involved with this very arduous charity ride that I'm also involved in. And she's like, I'm going to get ufos for everybody. And I was like, what are you talking about? Um, and then she told me they were recovery sandals. And I just laughed. I was just like, that is the most ludicrous thing <laughs> I've, you know, I've ever heard. Um, but then we got the ufo sandals. And I've got, like, I'm a barefoot recovery kind of girl. I don't like to wear shoes. I wear I, I, I go barefoot a lot. Patrick, I wear these things. If I'm even in the house and I'm a little tired, I seek them out. I it's they are so there's something about the foam and the the contours and the support. You feel like your legs are getting a break just from life. It's it's really really interesting. Um it's just super 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 comfortable. And I, you know, I looked them up and, you know, what they claim is that they have this foam technology that has 37% less impact, you know, than regular shoes and that I can tell you that's probably true because I feel it, but I just can tell you that when your legs are all knackered from being on your bike, say, look, Oh, eight hours, you know, on a mountain bike, it's, uh, they really, they provide a lot of relief. They take a load off your feet for sure. Wow. You've done it again. I mean, <laughs> I made you want yet, something <laughs> yet another pick. It's like,
0: Oh gosh, I, I need, I need more spending money. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Wow. Uh, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to look them up, seriously. Uh, my pick is a new hydration pack from Thule called the Vital 3L. From Thule? Um, yeah, yeah. Thule has entered the hydration pack market. I did not and know that. It, uh, I, I saw them at Interbike, and I was like, okay, once those things are live, I, I need to check, you know, one or two of them out. Uh, they're killing it. Uh, have you tried any of their luggage?
1: No. I just, I still use the racks. I mean, what do I not know? I don't really Okay. So we have moved on since, okay.
0: Yeah. I mean, Thule, Thule is, I mean, they're not just racks and rocket boxes anymore. I mean, they're, they do panniers for touring bikes. They do luggage. You know, they've got that whole range of backpacks and whatnot. Uh, And now they're doing hydration packs. It's not terribly surprising. And I was also interested in trying the hydration pack because I've got several of their pieces of luggage and all of the luggage is just fantastic. Hmm. Um, So the the vital comes in three sizes, eight liter, six liter and three liter. Um, And those numbers, the vital eight L vital six L, they reflect that. That's overall capacity for the pack. So, like, the Vital 3L has a 1.75-liter bladder mm-hmm. in it, um, and it uses this really lightweight mesh that's employed both in the back of the pack and in the straps uh, so that it's very breathable. It's uh, It feels much lighter on your back and much more breathable than a lot of other packs I've used. Um, there are two wing pockets uh, that give you place to store gels and other foods and wrappers.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and then two bel- two belts, of course, one at your waist and then another one uh, at the chest uh, so that it stays in place when you're bumping around on single track. Um, what's really cool about the Vital 3L Uh, And I guess it's true of all of them. Yes, it's definitely true of the 6L as well. Um, They wrap the end of the hose in neoprene and lining the edge uh, is this magnetic piping. They call this thing retract. Uh, And so there's piping on the hose and then piping along the the shoulder strap. Mm -hmm. And so when you let go of the bite bite valve out of your mouth, it just slaps down and the magnet picks it up because oh, it's great. two long pieces there's nothing to line up i you know i certainly liked what to uh what uh camelback did with their uh retention the, mm-hmm. the little magnetic snap but that has to be lined up just right osprey to had pop that back too. into place yeah yes mm-hmm. yes and this one doesn't rely on anything getting lined up you know it's they're two long things. And, you know, you think about a couple of straws and if they just hit each other, you've got minimal match and it's going to get better as the magnets work themselves together. So I, it was really easy to reach down and grab this thing and pull the magnet away. I didn't have to pull it in a particular direction. I just pulled up. uh, And then when i let it go, it would just snap back into place and not flop around. I never once got uh, a bite valve in the face. Uh, (laughs) And so for that alone, I just love this pack, but you know, the bigger thing, okay, fine. I used it to augment my hydration in an eight hour race. Um, one of my big concerns is when I go out and do an hour and a half, two hour, maybe two and a half hour ride, I want a smaller, lighter, less bulky hydration pack on me. Um, I don't want to use bottles because it's so dis- dusty around here. And I mm-hmm. know like once a bottle is completely covered in dust, I, I'm i just finicky enough that I'm going to want to pull over, wipe the thing off, and then put it in my mouth. You are and if you're stinky. in a race, I'm finicky. <laughs> I admit it. I, I'm just going to come clean. Yeah. But so, you know, hydration packs, oh, eliminates that whole finicky mm-hmm. thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't want to just put one liter of fluid in a three liter uh, uh, bladder. Mm-hmm. And so having a smaller pack that still stays in in place, I'm just in love with the Vital 3L. I really am. It's, it's quickly becoming one of my all-time favorite packs because I can use it uh, in so many different circumstances. And uh, I can tell you uh, I've also used it already <clears throat> uh, in a gravel event. Uh, to augment my hydration there. Hmm. So uh, it's, I'm, I'm a fan. Cool. Um, The three L goes for 89 95. Um, I'll be reviewing that and the six L in the not too distant future. That's a wrap for this episode of the pace line. Before we go, I'd like to put in a plug for my other new podcast, the pull Uh, the show features artisans talking about their craft in one-on-one interviews. Think Terry gross for the bike set. Um, this week's guest is engineer Damon Reinhardt of Cycling Sports Group. Celine, have you spent any time with him? I have not. I know
1: him, but I've never actually met him.
0: Oh, neat, neat guy. Um, and like us, complete nerd. Uh, my favorite person to talk about aerodynamic stuff with. Wow. So okay, I had cool. a great time. Yeah. Um, finally, please leave us a good review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It makes us easier for other listeners to find, uh, until next week. Thanks for listening to the pace line.